Transmitting from the lovely little city of Taylor, Texas, you are listening to Plow and Hose, a show dedicated to the joys and challenges of organic backyard gardening in Central Texas. I am your host, Julie Rydell. Welcome to the show. Hi there, plant people. Welcome to Plow and Hose. Thank you for joining me today here in my little studio here in cold, damp, dreary Taylor, Texas. Late February weather in Central Texas is just stupid. It's ridiculous. And I am so, so sick of the moody weather. I mean, this week was crazy. One day it was absolutely gorgeous and beautiful. It was like 85. And then... 30 degrees for the high of the next day. It's so gross. I'm so tired of it. And, you know, I saw in my Facebook memories today that 13 years ago today, I was talking about wearing sandals and getting my first sunburn of the year. And here I am today, just bundled up in a bunch of layers and not wanting to go outside of the house at all. I give up, just like algebra. I will never understand Texas weather, ever. (laughs) But that said, I did take advantage of the warm weather that we got earlier in the week, and I've got my potatoes in the ground, and I was able to clean up a couple of other beds so I can get some things planted. Now through the first week of March, we can plant one last round of cool season seeds like spinach, radishes, lettuce, greens like kale and mustard. We can plant beets and also carrots. If you can find transplants, you can also put those in for the cold crops like broccoli, kale, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, And it's also the time to plant asparagus and artichoke crowns. I've got some beets and lettuce seeds that I still need to plant. So I'm going to do everything to get them in the ground really soon. And there should be enough time to harvest some beets before it just gets too hot for them. If you want to try potatoes this year, get them planted ASAP, because if you don't do it now, you're going to have to wait until August when we have the next potato planting window opening up. And new potatoes from your garden are just so good. If you have the space and you want to try growing some potatoes this spring, just do it and just do it now. You can pre-sprout some seed potatoes if you want. Um, Those are going to give you the best results, but you can also try tossing some organic baby potatoes from the grocery store in the ground. Organic potatoes are less likely to be treated with growth inhibitors to keep them from sprouting, so go get a bag 
use half of the bag for dinner and then plant the other half. And hopefully in about 90 days, if you don't wait too long, in about 90 days, you can you dig up those potatoes and have fresh new potatoes from your garden. Even though it's currently wet and cold outside and I don't feel too motivated to go out there and mess around in the garden, there are plenty of other gardening and plant-related things to do inside. Uh, I'm a little apprehensive to talk about this because I talked about it last week and it's cold again, but we are just a week away from our last average frost date, which is about March 5th for here, um, for us here in central Texas. And that means that we can get all the warm season plants started inside so that you can get a jump start on your summer garden. It's not too late to start tomatoes and peppers inside. You could also start some other um, warm season plants like eggplant or chard, and of course squash and cucumbers. The last average frost date is typically the last chance for a killing freeze. It's not a guarantee that it won't get cold, we are in central Texas and it's still winter and it's dumb, but it does mean that things are warming up and we aren't likely to get freezing temperatures again until late November. Once we get past the last average frost day, it's generally safe to say that we're over the hump for the miserable, cold, wet weather and we can start getting excited about springtime and our warm season gardens. A fellow DJ and friend, Gen X, pointed out to me this week that I have not spent hardly any time talking about houseplants on the show. And she's right. Uh, that is very true. So I th decided that since it's so gross outside and cold, that it's probably a good time to talk about houseplants. Houseplants are pretty much any plants that have become adapted for growing inside. The most common ones come from plants native to the tropics and the subtropical regions around the world. Those areas, of course, have much different climates that stay warmer year-round and also have very different levels of humidity. The most popular houseplants that we grow in the U.S. are species that have adjusted pretty well to the warm, dry conditions that we maintain in our indoor living spaces. Since these species that we cultivate inside were originally from very different climates than we have in our houses, houseplants are pretty sensitive about their growing conditions, and for them to be happy indoors, they need the correct moisture, light, they need the right soil mixture, and they want certain temperature and humidity levels. If we don't give them what they want, there's a pretty good chance they're gonna struggle and die. But it doesn't have to be that way, especially if you are willing to learn. Most people choose houseplants based on the way that they look, not necessarily on the conditions that they have at home. 
I do this all the time. I'll see a cute little plant when I'm out shopping for, you know, something else and think this will look really great in my house. And of course, I'll buy it because I like it and buying plants makes me happy. But just because a plant makes me happy doesn't mean I can keep it happy at my house because each plant has its own likes and dislikes. And it's really important to find the right spot in your home with the correct lighting and temperature conditions for your plant. Some plants can be content and happy growing in full sun, but many would die if they get that direct sunlight. Some plants don't tolerate the cold at all. They're too cold tender. And others, they don't want a lot of heat either. So it's our responsibility to learn what our new houseplant likes. And we have to learn so we can keep it alive. So even if you impulse purchased some plants, it'll be fine. You can always look up the care instructions on the internet for your new plants and find the perfect spot in your home. There's so much great information that's available online. Or, you know, go to the bookstore and check out or, you know, go buy a, um, a really good book on houseplants. Um, I, I have one that I really like, so I'm kind of more inclined to, to go to that um, other than, rather than watch a bunch of videos on YouTube. But anyway, many houseplants get stressed out when you bring them home, especially if they've been raised in the perfect conditions, a perfectly lit, climate-controlled greenhouse where... They ha it's somebody's job to maintain specific temperature and humidity levels. So when you bring your new plant home, it can take several weeks for new houseplants to get acclimated to their new surroundings. And it's not unusual for some species to drop a few leaves as they get used to the conditions in your house. Just moving a plant from one spot to another in the same room can cause them to freak out. So find that spot and leave it alone. For the first few weeks, keep them out of direct sunlight and away from drafts. So pay attention to where your heating and air conditioner vents are. Just like our outdoor plants, indoor plants have basic needs, warmth, light, water, humidity, food, rest time, air circulation, and just some general grooming. Unless you have exactly one type of plant in your house, you can't treat all your house plants the same. So do a little research on the types of plants you have. And by visiting your plants regularly, you're going to learn so much because plants are pretty good about showing you what they need. And just a few minutes a day is all you need because when you visit them regularly, you'll really notice when things are, aren't right and they're kind of going wrong. Too much sun, too much water are pretty common mistakes. 
but uh, giving them too much fertilizer is also a bad thing. Most indoor plants take a break in the winter and go dormant and don't grow. So during this time, they don't need as much water or food and their heat requirements also change. When you visit your plants, look at the leaves, look at the stems and the soil. The soil will show you when it needs water. The leaves will also tell you if there's something out of whack while you're visiting your um, plants. You know, pick off any dead flowers or withered leaves and look for any signs of bugs or disease. While you're looking at your plants, look for any dust accumulation and gently wipe them down if they need it. Um, this is going to help them look nicer, but it's also um, going to help your plants be healthier since plants breathe through their leaves. Even though most house plants are native to tropical and subtropical areas where it's warmer and more humid, what they all want is consistency. Indoor plants need fairly constant and moderate temperatures during the growing season and a lower temperature during their resting season. Nearly all indoor plants will stay happy when the temperatures are within the 75 to 55 degree range. And most will be content in a room that is a little too cool and uncomfortable for people. Of course, there's exceptions, but that's on us to learn what our plants want and what they like. Houseplants really like temperatures to be consistent. When leaves start to curl and then turn brown and drop, that's a sign it's too cold. If it's too warm for your plant, the bottom leaves may start to wilt and turn brown. If it's a blooming plant and the flowers fall off um, really quickly after developing, that's a sign that um, it's also too warm. Plants may get leggy if it's too warm. Sometimes it, if there is a big change in the temperatures, um, leaves will turn yellow and then fall off. Succulents and cacti are more forgiving with the temperature changes because out in nature, they tolerate really, really hot days, but then also um, rather cold overnight. So inside succulents and cacti tend to do better with harsh temperature changes than the tender tropical plants. House plants need less warm air and more moist air than most of us realize. Thin papery leaves usually need more humidity than the thicker leathery leaves. Central heat and air is very dry. And that's a, a really good thing for our HVAC systems because nobody wants muggy air circulating through our houses. But in the winter when the heater is on, the air coming from the vents is so drying and it's actually comparable to desert air that has like 30% or less humidity. When the air is dry, it's uncomfortable for people and it dries our skin out and it makes us itchy. So, you know, no wonder plants um, suffer if the humidity is too low. 
there really aren't a whole lot of indoor plants that like hot and dry conditions. Most flowering plants and many leafy plants will suffer if you don't increase the humidity around the leaves. Obviously, kitchens and bathrooms have higher humidity levels by function. Um, so they can be good rooms for plants, but sometimes that's not really practical. So, um, and you know, maybe you don't want your kitchen or your bathroom completely filled with all your house plants, but there are ways to increase, um, the humidity. Um, you can increase humidity by using a spray bottle, a mister, and you can just spritz your plants. The water droplets will coat the leaves and temporarily increase the humidity. Misting also discourages any red spider mites that might be on your plants, and it also helps reduce the dust. Another thing you can do is to group your plants together to raise the humidity. Placing plants right next to each other in little groups creates some more uh, creates a more humid microclimate because they share each other's soil moisture. And they, um, when they're grouped together like that, the air trapped between them will have a higher relative humidity. Another thing you can do is add a pebble tray. And this is going to help increase the humidity around your plants. A pebble tray is just a small dish of gravel filled with water and you place your plant on top of that. If your room does not have enough humidity, leaf tips will turn brown and shrivel. Leaf edges can turn yellow and start to wilt. If it's a flowering plant, flower buds and blossoms will shrivel and leaves may just fall off with no other indi indicators. If there's too much humidity in your room, then you can expect to see start seeing patches of gray mold on the leaves and flowers. And then also patches of rot will appear on leaves and stems. Cacti and succulents are really sensitive to humidity-related issues, so it's a really good idea to keep them separated from your humid-loving plants. So keep your leafy lush plants in one group and then just have a little cluster of succulents and cacti in another um, part of your house. You are listening to Plow and Hose on KBSR Black Sparrow Radio. If you are enjoying my show, I hope you'll go over to www.blacksparrowmusicparlor.com and check out the station and learn about all the great shows and music all coming out of our station, broadcasting from Taylor, Texas. While you're out on the internet, be sure to stop by the Plow and Hose Facebook page and like and share it with your gardening friends. I also have a website, Plow, A-N-D, Hose, plowandhose.com. You can go check that out. Or also, you can head over to wherever you get your podcast and subscribe to the Plow and Host podcast. If you like the flexibility of being able to play and pause and rewind my show whenever you want, please go download some episodes and leave a review. It's not hard. It's super easy to do. It's going to help others find the show and it lets people know that Plow and Hose is a pretty good show. If you've already left a review, thank you. I appreciate it. Really, I really, really do.
I loved seeing those reviews. All plants, indoors and outside plants, need plant food. They need nutrients. Plants outside, in the ground, and in raised beds can go longer without extra fertilizer because their roots have a lot more room and they can grow towards areas with more nutrients. Potted plants, container-grown plants, have limited access to soil nutrients. Once they consume the nutrients in the soil, they need more, and you gotta, you got to provide that for them. Big leafy plants and flowering plants need more, especially when they're actively growing and blooming. Most houseplants contain um, soil, uh, like a slow-release fertilizer that's already mixed in with the soil, and that's going to help sustain your plant for a little while. Your plants will let you know when they need some extra nutrients. If they don't have enough, they'll, they're just going to stop growing. Um, flowers will be small if there are any. And stems will be weak and leaves are going to get pale. And they might actually develop some yellow spots. Houseplants have different nutrient needs than your plants out in the garden. So look for an organic fertilizer specifically for houseplants. Liquid formulas are the easiest to control and to apply. Now, too much fertilizer is bad for your plants, so don't overdo it. Less is more when it comes to fertilizing any plants because you can always add more, but you can't take it away hardly at all. It's not easy to do, and you might end up causing other issues. So just follow the instructions on the package and you'll do good. Too much fertilizer will cause leaves to wilt and they develop crispy brown edges. And this is a classic sign of fertilizer burn. Our native Texas outdoor plants and native adaptive plants want lots and lots of sun. The best ones will tolerate really intense amounts of direct sunlight. Houseplants, on the other hand, won't. And that's because lots of our favorite tropical houseplants are actually understory plants, ones that grow under the forest canopies out there in the real nature. Indoor plants grown for their foliage need bright light, but not direct sunlight. If you have a sunny room, this is perfect. Just don't place your plant right in the sun rays. They don't want it, they don't need it, and too much light can stress them out. Plants with variegated leaves need more light than all green ones um, if you want to maintain um, the variegated colors. Flowering houseplants like begonias need more light in order to bloom. Plants love natural sunlight. Natural light produces heat and warmth, but it also has all the color wavelengths in the spectrum, which plants use for photosynthesis. The color spectrum includes all of the colors of the rainbows, the ones that we can see, but it also includes infrared and ultraviolet, and people can't see them. Photosynthesis is the process that plants use to make their own food from carbon dioxide, water, and light. 
Most plants need at least six hours of direct sunlight for photosynthesis. Outside, that's pretty easy to achieve, but inside, you know, a south-facing window will do the trick. Um, East and west side um, facing windows can also work as long as it's sunny for six hours during the day. If you don't have much natural sunlight in your house, you may want to supplement with indoor lighting. If you decide to add some extra light for your plants, just remember that not all artificial lighting is created equal. And that's because many light bulbs don't radiate the full spectrum of colors like natural sunlight. There are tons of different light bulbs out there. Traditional incandescent, halogen, fluorescent, energy saving, LED, all in different wattages and base types. You definitely want to do a little bit of research on supplemental lighting for your indoor plants so that you can match the lighting needs of your plant to the type of bulb. Really the easiest thing to do is to look for full spectrum light bulbs. They're often labeled as grow lights and there are just as many sizes and shapes of grow light bulbs and lots of really sophisticated systems with timers and settings and whatnot. But if you're just adding some supplemental light to your plants, a regular old household lamp will probably be enough. So you don't have to go and buy an ugly, expensive, (laughs) elaborate system. Most indoor plants um, take a break anyway and go dormant in the cooler temperatures, but they still do need some light to photosynthesize. You can use a regular desk lamp or floor lamp that you already have and just switch to a full spectrum bulb and keep it illuminated during the day. You shouldn't have any trouble finding a full spectrum light bulb that will fit in a regular house lamp. But um, they, uh, they, they are available at big chain stores and online, but make sure you read the package and make sure that you are getting full spectrum. Some packages say daylight or cool or warm. These just refer to the color of the light that they cast. They don't necessarily have the correct color wavelengths that plants need. So look for those full spectrum grow light bulbs. Incandescent lights are inexpensive, but they get hot and they aren't energy efficient. And when it comes to plants, incandescent light is pretty useless for photosynthesis. Fluorescent bulbs don't put out heat like incandescent bulbs, and you can find a full spectrum compact fluorescent bulbs that will fit in your standard household lamps. Plants that have low light needs like ferns, dracaenas, African violets, they do well with simple fluorescent lighting. Fluorescent bulbs are a good option, but they are more expensive and they contain mercury. So if you break one, you need to be very careful cleaning it up and they never should be thrown in the regular trash. They need to be recycled properly. LED bulbs are more expensive, but they use a whole lot less energy, so they're energy efficient and cost effective in the long run. They don't put out much heat at all, and they put out the ideal light spectrum range for plants. 
Some of the more expensive LED grow bulbs are very specialized and they can be used for specific tasks like starting seeds or stimulating growth. There are some really cool looking indoor gardening setups available and there is so, so, so much information on the internet about growing indoors, but I will warn you, once you start clicking on links about grow lights and indoor growing, you are going to end up on some message boards and websites dedicated to growing marijuana plants. Now, those marijuana growers have done a whole lot for growing uh, for the indoor gardening industry, um, they've made the cost of lights and hydroponics come down way, way down in the past 20 years. And so it's much more affordable for all of the plant people wanting to grow indoors. And those folks are very knowledgeable about growing things indoors, and they're generally very generous with sharing information with others. But I just wanted to warn you because um, you might not want to use your work computer to search grow lights because you will end up on the pot pages. <laughs> Signs that your houseplants aren't getting enough light include poor growth, leggy stems, branches that seem to be stretching toward the light source, small pale leaves, sad pathetic blossoms or no blossoms at all, and yellowing leaves that fall off. Plants that get too much sun will also show signs of light stress. If your plants start to look washed out, start to wilt, or they get gray or brown splotches, it's probably getting too much sun. Those splotches are signs of sun scald, and they are burned dead spots that are on your leaves. Of course, this time of year, we're pretty safe from too much natural light, and that's because indoor plants take a break during the winter and go dormant. It's very obvious when outside plants go dormant, the leaves will drop off and the plants die back. But inside, our houseplants don't do that. Instead, most houseplants stay green, but stop putting on new growth. When the plants go dormant, it's really important to reduce watering, feeding um, at this time because they aren't actively growing. Once the days start getting longer and we head into spring, your houseplants will start to wake up and you'll start to see new growth. Next week, I'm going to talk more about houseplants because I didn't even get a chance to talk about propagating and dividing houseplants. Some of my favorite plants are pass along plants from people who mean a lot to me. And whenever I see these plants, it makes me think of them. Pass along plants are really special gifts for plant people. And I think it's like one of the best things about house plants is starting new ones and then sharing them with others. <laughs> Production assistance provided by KBSR, Black Sparrow Radio. Original music created by Alex Cuervo. Discover more of his music at alexcuervo.tv. If you love plants and gardening in Central Texas, be sure to click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts and never miss seasonal information on Plow and Hose. Plow and Hose is written and recorded at my home in Taylor, Texas.